Thank you, choir. As we've just celebrated Thanksgiving and now we're already looking forward to Christmas, you know, this is a great time for us to stop and be reminded of how blessed we are, how much we have to be thankful for. Not only does God promise to meet our needs physically, but more importantly, as the choir just sang, our greatest need spiritually is met in Jesus Christ. And as the psalmist said over 40 times, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. So I hope even as we observe the Lord's Supper here just a bit that that scripture that we can give thanks to the Lord because he is good and we're reminded of his great sacrifice for us. But we want to welcome you to East Hillsville Baptist Church today. If you're visiting with us, we want to thank you for joining us today. It is an honor to have you with us and we would encourage you before you leave. Uh, first of all, we'd love to meet you and answer any questions that you may have. But as a guest, we would encourage you to fill out a guest card. Um, you can do that by scanning the QR code or filling out the care card in your bulletin and you can put that in the basket before you leave today. But we would love to know who you are and know how we could uh, serve you better. But right now, just one quick announcement before we, uh, one quick announcement before we shake hands. Um, Christmas in Teville has been underway for several weeks now. If you, per or if you got a gift, one of the papers that had a gift on it to purchase for a child, uh, just a reminder that those need to be returned by next Sunday. Uh, Kathy and Kelly will be in the lobby after the service if you have any questions about that, but those do need to be back by next Sunday. Um, there's still a lot of need there. Um, not a lot of the papers were taken, but um, they made me aware this morning and asked me to share that still the need is about $7,000. We have 63 kids that we've committed to help with Christmas this year, so if you would like to give to that, please mark that on your um, envelope, uh, your tithing envelope, or you can give online, but they just said that is about the need, about 7000 to purchase the remainder of the gifts throughout this week, so um, if you'd like to be a part of that, you can see them after the service in the lobby. Right now, we're going to ask everyone to stand. Take just a minute. If you've not spoke to your neighbor yet, uh, or if you've not met them yet, introduce yourself and welcome one another to the service.
Thank you. As we come to this uh, time of prayer, just want to mention a few things uh, to you as a church family. We need to remember the Lynn Marshall family in prayer. Lynn passed away uh, this past week, and we'll be receiving friends tomorrow um, in the sanctuary from 6 to 8 p.m., and then the funeral services will be Tuesday at 2 p.m., so please remember them in prayer. I'm so thankful for the profession of faith and the confession of faith that Lynn made uh, before the Lord took him home and so thankful that, that he knows where he's going. Also, we need to remember Cindy Lou uh, Brock and Kelly Roney as they're scheduled for a transplant Thursday, uh, Thursday morning. So if you will, lift them up in prayer. And as a praise team and the choir leads us in this time, will you meet me here at the altar? And I'm going to ask one of our deacons, Matt Yelverton, to lead us in this prayer time. If you'll meet me here at the altar, thank you. You are just come to you, Lord, that we can even call you Father, that uh, we've been adopted into sonship through Jesus Christ. And uh, God, we pray for these requests this morning over the Marshall family, just that you'd bring them healing, that you'd bring them peace and comfort. Thank you, God, for the hope that we have in heaven. Uh, I just pray that you'd help them in this time of need. Also pray for Cindy Lou and Kelly and their families as they've got this upcoming surgery this week, if you're willing, Lord. God, you can give wisdom and skill to anybody you choose, and I just pray over the whole team involved that everything would go great and for a speedy recovery, and just that you would bless these families and just help them, help them to have their faith in you every day. God, we just pray for all the requests that everybody has here this morning, God, that you'd answer them according to your will, and uh, Lord, we just thank you for the Lord's Supper, for what it represents, God, that uh, you hung on that cross for us. Your blood was shed for us, Lord, something that we could never do, that we could never repay, that you paid for us. And I uh, just pray that you'll prepare our hearts to take your supper this morning, God, and just let us discern the body and the blood of Christ uh, and do so in a worthy manner, God. We just thank you. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you, choir. As they go down, I just want to give you a little bit of direction about this morning's service. Of course, we're going to be participating in the Lord's Supper, and you're going to have a container that has the what we call a wafer on top. We'll talk about that in just a minute, and then we'll turn that over, and you'll have the juice on the bottom, and these men here are going to serve you. Before that, I want to talk about giving thanks and why Christians should give thanks so if you have your Bibles, if you will, stand with me and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And Michael, if you'll go ahead and put that verse on the screen. If you don't have your Bible, we can look at it together. Paul is talking about giving thanks and why Christians should give thanks. Uh, we should rejoice every day. Paul's writing to the church at Thessalonica. And he, he's a man who has lived his Christian life with a lot of ups and downs. But through it all, he was still a very thankful person. Notice what he says, rejoice always. Now, if there was a Christian that has ever lived that had reason not to rejoice always, it was the Apostle Paul. Uh, he, he was one, pray continually, give thanks. Now, notice what he says, in all circumstances. Look at that, th that word, in all. That Greek phrase, in all, one person put it this way. He says it means in connection with everything that occurs, in connection with everything in life, give thanks no matter what it might be. Now, there's obvious ex exceptions, one man said, but he said, no matter what happens in life, be thankful. No matter what your lot, no matter what your circumstances, no matter your struggle, trial, or testing, be thankful and give thanks. No matter what the situation, we are to find reason to thank God. He says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Doesn't Jesus make everything better? And doesn't Jesus give, our, give us hope? Jesus is the reason that we can rejoice when, when life is the most devastating and tragic in our lives. You, you can have hope if you are in Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your grace this morning. Lord, for your mercy, for your for forgiveness. Lord, for the Holy Spirit, thank you for the hope that we have. Father, thank you for your, your life, your death, and the resurrection, Lord, that we will remember and celebrate this morning. And so, Father, we thank you and praise you for who you are. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people said together, amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. Five things to be thankful for real quickly this morning. Think about this. We talked about this last week, a couple of these, but it's so important to remember that God is sovereign. Notice what the psalmist says. Notice how he put it. He said the Lord reigns, which means he has authority. God is described in the Bible as an all-powerful, all-knowing being. Psalm 147 says he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He, he determines the number of stars and calls them each by name. Now that's an amazing thought, isn't it? God determines the number of stars and he names them. He goes on to say, great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. We all have limits to our understanding, right? 
I mean, we all, God made us in a certain way that I'm, a, I'm about as smart as I can get, I think. I don't know if that's smart or not. There are people a lot smarter than me because their understanding has, it really has no limits in my, in my opinion. God has no, no limits. He is outside of time. That's why God told Moses when Pharaoh asked who, you, who, who sent you, just say, I am. I am. Always. I am. No beginning, no end, just I am. He's responsible for the creation of everything. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's the foundation of our faith. John says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was a light of all mankind. He reigns there. The Lord reigns. Let the nations tremble. He sits enthroned between the cherubim. Let the earth shake. One person put it this way, or one pastor. The fact that the Lord reigns means He has absolute authority over all His creation. People, animals, the creation, time, and so on. God uses and exercises that authority every moment of every day. The Lord reigns exclusively. It is the Lord and no other that reigns. Satan does not reign. Neither do you. Fate and circumstances don't reign. Luck does not reign. Sickness does not reign. The Lord reigns. It's in the present tense. Aren't you thankful? It's not like the Lord reigned back then. The Lord is reigning now. Present tense. Every moment of every day, God is reigning. In Him, we're also chosen. Ephesians, the, the right, uh, Ephesians chapter 1 says, In Him, we're also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will. He reigns and His reign has no boundaries. He reigns. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to His purpose. I watch a lot of sports, and I remember several years ago watching, I think it was in the NBA on TNT, and they were talking about Monty Williams. Now, Monty Williams at the time was an assistant coach for the Oklahoma City Thunder, strong faith. But what had happened was Monty's wife was driving. Now, they have five kids, and a car crosses the center lane, hits his wife head on, and then she dies. And they showed his speech at her funeral. And he said something like this. He says, this is hard for my family, but this will work out. That's how he put it. I just wrote it down. He says, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And he says this, to his family and everybody else, you can't quit. You can't give in. You see, the Bible says Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. This is what he wants to do. He can't win because we'll not give in. And we, when we leave this place, let's all celebrate because my wife is where we all need to be with Jesus and I'm envious of that. Why can he say that? Because God is sovereign. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. If I leave today and someone hits me and I die, that driver's not sovereign. God is. He is. God is sovereign. Drunk drivers don't rule the universe. God does. God is sovereign over all things. Either he reigns in your life or he doesn't. And when tragedy strikes, if you understand that God is sovereign, God is sovereign, it will help you and give you peace like nothing else. They will. It is God's sovereign. The second thing to be thankful for is that I am justified. The greatest word in the Bible is that one. I speak on it about every week. Justified is a legal declaration made over your life that cannot be changed. Notice the Bible verse. I love this. Therefore, since we have been justified, you are justified. You are, if you're a Christian. You are justified, legally declared not guilty for eternity. Think about that amazing thought. It's a legal declaration over your life that can't change. 
Look, through faith, that means that you actively place your faith in somebody, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. But think about this. You're justified through faith. We have peace with God, which we'll talk about in just a moment, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace, which we now stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Isn't that amazing? Justified, a legal declaration has been made over your life. It's a wonderful thing to be justified. It's, it's irrevocable, it's irreversible. Once justified, always justified. Having been justified now, what comes with this? Notice the second thing, you have peace with God. Now think about this awesome declaration that just because you're justified, you're no longer at war with God. The writer of Ephesians in, in chapter 2 says that before Christ, you were children of, of the devil, right? At war with God. You're not friends with God. The Bible says that the wicked never have peace. The Bible says Jesus came to bring peace. Isaiah 9, 6 says this, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. See, when I was lost and went to church, when the invitation was given, I knew I was not at peace with God. I knew it. I was 20 years old. I made decent grades in school. I knew. I knew I wasn't. So every invitation of my life until I got saved, I was uneasy, scared, convicted, confused, looking around, sweaty palms, all those things. And then I would think about that all day. I am not God's child. Peace with God. Do you have peace with God? Listen to what John MacArthur said. That word peace, it comes from the root word that means to join together. He says, have you ever tried to glue something to a surface that was dirty? Perhaps you tried to apply a new tabletop. The first thing the instructions tell you to do is clean the surface you're going to, to glue something to because if you have any debris, any irritant of any kind on the surface, it will not adhere. They will not come together. They will not join together. Therefore, you have to make sure it is clean. You see, the word means when two things come together, there is nothing in between that will stop the cohesion that is about to take place. Once they're glued together, they're one never to be separated. That's what it means you have peace with God. You have peace with him. And if you're, if you're not a Christian, you don't have peace with God. You don't have it. Look, it says it's by faith. That word by faith in, in Romans 5 that we looked at doesn't mean just to mentally understand. It has the idea of also bowing before Jesus. The deity of Christ is built into the word faith. The Greek word faith comes from another word, patho, which means to be so overwhelmed, so persuaded that you're brought to your knees... Salvation is when you bow and surrender your will to the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you have peace with God? And then the fourth thing is this, and we're going to hurry. Not only does justification give you a peace with God, but the peace of God. Paul told the church at Thessalonica, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. The Lord be with you all. He prays or wishes for their experience of God, and he prays that they have peace. Think about this for a moment. David said this, that the Lord is his shepherd and that the Lord leads him beside still waters. Isn't that an amazing thought? I thought about this, these facts on worry. We find that most people worry unnecessarily. Statistics show that 40% of us worry over things that don't happen. I know I do. 30% of people worry over the past that can't be changed. You can't change your past. That's why when, if somebody ever asked me or asked me for forgiveness, I said, I'm done with it. Yep. I'm not going back there. No reason to, is it? You can't change your past. It is what it is. 
Stop looking back and letting Satan win. Don't worry about your past. You can't change it. 12% worry about untrue criticism. Isn't that amazing? 10% of people worry about health issues, which gets worse only with worry. And only about 8% of us worry about real problems. Isn't that something? Jesus said this, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And the opposite of worry is peace. Peace. Paul said that God himself was peace. And, and once a uh, scholar put it this way, talking about Jesus, he has no lack of peace. He is perfect in his being with his peace. God is at all times at perfect peace. There's no stress. God is never stressed. God is never in anxiety. God never worries, never doubts, never fears. God is never at discord with himself. He is never confused. He's never indecisive. He is never unclear. He is never unsure. He is never threatened. God lives in perfect calm. God lives in perfect tranquility. God lives in perfect contentment. He enjoys perfect and eternal harmony within himself. He, therefore, is peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Worry is kind of like a rocking chair, David Jeremiah said. It is something we can do, but it never gets us anywhere. But is it not hard? It's hard not to worry. It's hard not to be anxious. It is so hard. You know, it's easy for somebody who's living a very peaceful, tranquil life at the time to talk about it. But when you're facing life's struggles, it's very hard. But notice what Paul tells us, and we, we looked at this verse last week. The peace of God which transcends all understanding. You know, I've had the privilege of spending time with Lynn Marshall, and Lynn knew he was dying. He, he worked with Rhett to do his funeral arrangements, did he not? I mean, that says a lot about him. But this is what Lynn told me. Before he got to where he couldn't really talk that well, just, I didn't ask or nothing. He said, Jamie, I'm ready to go. You know what he was telling me? I'm at peace with this. I'm at peace. You can't manufacture that, right? You cannot manufacture that. I'm at peace. He has peace not only with God, but he had the peace of God. And then the final thing is this, and this is so important, that my salvation is eternal. There's a, there's a pastor, and uh, I love hearing reading some of his quotes, and he said this. He says, everybody says that they're ready to die, that they have, that they have uh, peace with God, yet within a lot of people there still exists a small voice within them that faintly but insistently tries to convince them that their works or lack of will ultimately bring them short of heaven despite what Christ has vicariously accomplished on their behalf. And what he says is this, it's a normal thing to doubt your salvation sometimes, especially when you're facing death. But he says, you don't have to. He says this, if that is where you are today as you read this, I want to encourage you with these words from the Apostle John, and they're going to be on the screen. And this is the promise which he himself has made to us, eternal life. Now what he's saying is this, if you, if you have this tendency to doubt your salvation because you've got to do better, uh, go to church more, give more, read more, uh, you said a bad word on Saturday or whatever, he says, no, nah, they don't change nothing. Doesn't change nothing. Doesn't change a thing. If your faith is in Jesus Christ, that cannot change based on what you do. That's bad preaching. I hear it all the time in this county. Do you think brother so-and-so was a Christian? Yeah, I do. Well, he did this. Well, he's still a Christian. He is. Your legal standing in heaven does not change. I'm not giving you a license to do whatever you want to, but it does not change. That's, that's, that's theology. That's soteriology. That's the truth. Look at the word promise. That's a legal term. Promise. That is a legal term. He goes, he goes on to say this. The word promise in the Greek, the noun. He says it's a legal term, which in the context of 
uh, 1 John 2.25 means that God cannot lie. God is unconditionally bound and obligated by his own word to bring to pass that what she said he will do. And God says, and this is the promise. God is bound by it, which he himself has made to us eternal life. Can't change. Aren't you thankful for that? Why can God do all that? And why can we give thanks? Because Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. He lived a perfect life. He went to the cross on our behalf, died in our place, bore God's wrath on the cross, died the death of a criminal to the world, was placed in a borrowed tomb, and rose from the dead. That's why. Aren't you thankful? Friends, let me ask you a question. You should be thankful. You should be so thankful for what God has done for you. That's why we're going to remember that through this ceremony this morning that's called the Lord's Supper. Would you just close your eyes for just a few moments and bow your heads? And if you're here today and you're not at peace with God, ask the Lord to save you this morning. There's no special prayers. You don't have to come forward, any of that. You may be here this morning and you need God's peace. You know you're a Christian, but you just pray, pray for it and say, God, please, please help me in ways that only you can. Calm my nerves, my worry, my anxiety. Jesus, I give these things to you. And then church, let's thank God for his death and resurrection that makes salvation possible. Father, as we come to this time of remembrance, we want to thank you for dying in our place. Lord, for allowing us to have a relationship with you. We, none of us deserve it. None of us do. Lord, we all, every person in here falls short every day in some way. But Lord, you keep us saved. We thank you for that. Father, every day I'm reminded that my salvation depends totally on you and not on me, and I'm so thankful. Lord, thank you for loving us. I pray that you'd be honored and glorified through this ceremony this morning, and we'll praise you for what you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Kevin's going to come help me now, and uh, the deacons are going to pass these out. And I just want to remind you again, you're going to have a little container, a little cup, and on the top is the wafer. So what we'll do is we'll, we'll open that together, then we'll take it out, we'll have prayer, and then we'll eat, and then we'll do the same with the juice. Okay, thank you so much.
container, sorry about that, and go ahead and tear it off and pull out your wafer. The Bible says this, Jesus took the bread, gave thanks, and gave it to the disciples, saying, this is my body which is broken for you. Take and eat it, and as often as you do, remember me, and I'm going to ask Kevin if he will to pray and thank God for his body. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your Son. We're thankful that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, identifying with us in every single way. And Jesus, thank you that you lived the perfect life and willingly allowed your body to be broken, facing death, so that we may know you as Lord and Savior and that you would pay our sin debt. Thank you for your body that was broken. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, and they ate together. I'm going to ask if you will now to turn the cup over and go ahead and remove, very carefully remove it. This re represents the blood of Jesus. The Bible says this, in the same way he took the cup and after giving thanks, he gave it to the disciples saying, drink this, all of you. This cup is a new covenant poured out for you and for many. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance to me. And I'm going to pray for us. Father, as we come to you in prayer, Father, we want to thank you for the blood of Jesus. Father, I'm reminded that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Lord, all the legal declarations that are made about our salvation is because of Christ's blood and his resurrection. So, Father, we drink this with a sense of awe and reverence today, thanking you, Lord, that you gave your life for us and that you love us eternally, and that love will never end. So, Father, we praise you today as we remember your death on the cross. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And the Bible says they drank together. The Bible says that that last supper that they had together, that they sang. So we're going to ask you, if you will, to stand with us. And we're going to sing Amazing Grace, the first and last verse. And then on that last verse, you can dismiss yourself. Thank you so much for being here this morning. <laughs> 